fueled by the outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. So, cheers. Cheers. All right. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to drink, aren't we? Yeah, we're supposed to drink after that. All right. This is Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Gates and Chris Leppert. What's up, guys? We are coming to you from the dungeon of my house. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time we've ever recorded down here, isn't it? Uh, I want to say yeah. I want to say you're right. Good deal. So, it is the first full week of June, and that means that we are less than 90 days away from... <laughs> from deer season in Kentucky. Seriously. If you're in Nevada, you're less than um like a month and a half away. You are less than a month if you're in California. For for blacktails, for right? Blacktails, yeah. Blacktail archery season, I believe. And if you're in Alaska hunting Sitka, uh it comes in in about a week. And we hate you, but don't <laughs> envy the hundred trillion mosquitoes that are destroying your life. Exactly. So um, we are getting back into the all-important uh, part of this time of year. Yep. If you aren't in one of those uh, Western places. And for Midwesterners <clears throat> and really East Coasters, this is prime time summer scouting time. Yeah, but before we talk about that, I do want to bring up something. Um, without the support of our one and three quarters listeners... <laughs> We wouldn't be able to do some cool stuff. So if there's anyone out there that's listening, anybody at all, <laughs> um, if you wouldn't mind doing us a huge solid and maybe leaving us a review, commenting um, you know, on the podcast and letting us know what you think, um, you know, rating us. I think what what do you do? Like up to five stars or up something? Up to five stars. Um, you know, just just tell us what you think. And uh, admittedly, that stuff will help drive traffic a little bit and give us more options and, and basically kind of bump our podcast into other people's feeds, I believe. Yep. Um, kind of like social media works. But um, the other thing is that we want to know what you guys want to hear. We want yes, we do. to know who you want us to talk to. And we will literally go out and get... We'll reach out to them. Yeah, I, we will try to get whoever you want us to talk to. And we've been... We got Don Higgins on here. That was Don a big one. Higgins. We got Pierce Moore. Um, we got Matt DeFazio. And, and honestly, man, still my my two favorite guests, hands down. And I'm super lucky to have been a part of that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But uh, the two episodes that I could listen to over and over and over again for the rest of my life, are your dad talking about the history of Ohio's turkey season. Yeah. And then the other one was Chris Gilkey, our, our yeah. beloved Ohio game warden slash dog handler. Yes. So um, if you guys could, uh, you know, like and share our podcast on your social media platforms, whatever you want to do and can do to help would really help a lot, and we would greatly appreciate it. So with that being said... Summer scouting, baby. Summer scouting. So, we are getting into the point of the year where, <clears throat> if you haven't already, this is a good time to go. And, like we talked about last week, or actually, that had been two weeks ago, because 
uh, this past week you did the solo uh, podcast. Two weeks ago we talked with yeah. Pierce about you know trail cams, driving around, doing stuff like that. This is a good time that if you have a landowner that you think uh, you would like to go hunt on their property, this is the best time to go and start asking. It's not during deer season. Guys are starting to, uh, you know, need hay cut, hay baled, tobacco farms. They might need help cutting tobacco. Yep. Uh, but in return, you may be able to get to hunt some primo land that <clears throat> some other people who aren't willing to go do some of those farm chores with them uh, are willing to do. I know that I've got two properties I got to go ask permission on for access, and that's just about it. Uh, maybe some hunting area there, but. It's it's important to start really looking at what's feasible, what you want to do, and how you're going to do it. So yeah, and that that falls into your summer scouting. Yep. You're, you know, if you're somebody who's not as fortunate and you don't have a place that you can go and hunt every year on private land, and I can say, just because you hunt private land doesn't mean you're guaranteed a big deer mm-hmm. or anything like that. <clears throat> um. But it does make it a little easier when you're the only person or one of very few who have access to that place. Exactly. And then you can work together, maybe form some sort of sort of uh, management pact or whatever, and um, you know see what deer you want to let grow and pass, and what deer you want to shoot and and target and everything. So uh, you know that's actually a really good point that Rick brings up is. You, you want to start doing that now. Don't wait for people. And, and honestly, we're still late in the game. A lot of guys get their foot in the door mm-hmm. with coyote hunting and shed hunting. Yep. They, and, and all you're looking to do is literally develop a relationship of some sort where you it's literally like talking to a girl for the first time. You That's have, a good way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, really, you're literally making somebody feel comfortable with you being around Mm -hmm. and talking to you and getting to know you more. And if you're a decent person and willing to do a little bit of work or maybe, I mean, sometimes it's something so stupid as going and getting an old couple's groceries each week or something where you're already doing a click list Mm -hmm. for yourself. So get them, you know, get their click list together for them and, and bring it in and carry it into their freaking table and let them put it away so they don't fall on the damn steps or something. I mean, one of the ones that we go and we hunt at, uh, we give them a Bob Evans gift card every year so they can go out to dinner one night a year. There you go. And, and that's, like, that's cheap, man, that's, when you talk about leasing. Man. <laughs> that's cheap. <laughs> that's dirt cheap. So um, the other thing my boy here brings up, you, you can't go wrong with a bag of jerky. And a bottle of bourbon. Exactly. Or, or if they don't drink the harder stuff, maybe a 12-pack a of beer or, mm-hmm. or a, a couple bottles of wine or yep. whatever they're into. And that's where mm-hmm. meeting them, developing that relationship, you'll figure out real quick. Especially if you're talking to a guy, an older <clears throat> gentleman, mm-hmm. you'll find out what cigars he likes, what bourbon or wine or whatever he yep. likes. And uh, once you figure out preferences, you, you'd be surprised how many people think that they're entitled to just show up and hunt somebody's land? Oh, man. And you go there and help for a day or two and then bring them a little gift basket with stuff mm-hmm. like that? 
And then maybe, you know, the, the one thing that I can't stress enough, most people don't want it for whatever reason, but offering to share the harvest. Yep. Um, but, I, I mean, when I kill a deer, I make jerky, mm-hmm. and the landowners get jerky. And I'm pretty convinced that that's the only reason why I'm allowed to hunt certain places. It's <laughs> because they're afraid to get rid of me because of my jerky. I, I also, just kind of a, a tip for people to think about is while the land, like if you're talking to the, like if it's a married couple, if you're talking to the man of the house or something like that and you, you know, you talk to him, make sure you find out what his wife likes too. Yep. Because if you if you find out what his wife likes, you're more likely to get to stay on that property as well. Again, when you've got a buddy, you're not just friends with him. You're friends with the wife. And if you keep the wife happy, if you keep the wife happy, you'll be able to come over and play. Yes. Otherwise, she's going to hate you and cut your ass right out. <laughs> so that, that that's kind of the first step of, of, of summer scouting is uh, finding property that you plan on going to. So Yeah. Um, I was accused this past week of not... Um, letting people know that there's enough public land around me um, within an hour radius. <laughs> to be fair, I don't like necessarily having to drive an hour, so I've been looking at like places 45 minutes and in from me. Admittedly, if I'll drive like an extra 15 to 20 minutes, like there's a hell of a lot of land, which is nice. Which is nice to know. Um, but uh, you know, we all can't be that lucky. Uh, to have that much stuff around us. But first things first, you pick your land. Second thing is the all-important question that I hate people asking online. And you see it every year, midway through deer season or midway through turkey season. Don't got a lot of time. Can you point me in the direction of where there's a lot of turkey or deer? I understand your qualm, but at the same time, if you'd ask that question in, I don't know, now... Someone might give you a little bit better idea versus in the middle of deer or turkey season, uh, you know, or go out and walk and, yeah. and find something that's new. Uh, there's plenty of places around that guys just don't hit. We've been over this about uh, certain animal groups in certain states where guys just they don't care about them. They, they're they're there to hunt deer. They're not there to hunt turkeys or they're not there to hunt turkeys or they're there to hunt deer. Um you know, you can find lots of really good places if you just allow for it to happen. So one of the best things that I can suggest doing is uh, go on, you know, we're, we're, we're Midwestern hunters, uh, you know, go on your state's website. Every state has a public lands map. Every, every state does. Kentucky has one. Ohio has one. Indiana, West Virginia um, if you can't find it on there and you are in, I mean, West Virginia has a national forest that's completely open and legal to hunt. Kentucky has a national forest. Uh, Ohio, if I'm not mistaken, also just opened up um, a ton of acreage uh, through a bill that was passed not too long ago uh, to gain more access. You have to look at the Forestry Service, but there's a bunch of different places around the United States that just got opened up, like a whole nice. hell of a lot. Yeah. Now, that's good to know. Yeah. But they're not going to have deer markers on there. <laughs> so so that brings us to like the next the deer part. Deer are here. <laughs> I I always have this thought of like when I don't see a deer, I'm like I just wish like I had a 
button. Like I could just push, and like a red light would shoot up into the air. Like, oh, that's where all the deer are. But that would take all the fun out of it. Dude, talk about... Me and Pierce talked about this, too. Deer are pretty good at hiding, obviously. Yeah. The gobbler is the <laughs> world champion hide-and-go-seeker. He, If they don't gobble, where is he? Yep. I mean, it's that simple. You'll never see him. You won't. It's insane. But with that being said, um, I believe that you're doing yourself a huge disservice by going online and saying where should I start or whatever I understand that not everybody's like me or yourself mm-hmm. and, and wants to be independent but I'll give you a perfect example so the other day I went to some public mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention a state I'm not going to mention anything else I'm just going to say it was public Yeah, and I was in awe. I've went deer hunting there one single time, mm-hmm. and I think Luke and I walked maybe, f- I don't know, six or 700 yards, uh-huh. and that's that's not far. So if you think that's far, <laughs> and you're wanting to hunt public land, you may want to get out and start walking and learning to enjoy walking and teach your feet and legs and shins and knees and everything breaking in your boots before deer season and walking the other thing that a lot of people really really don't know and that's huge too getting your shoulders neck and back in pack shape for when you haul a stand or a pack with some meat or Mm -hmm. gear or whatever in it sometimes you know you put a pack on a stand with sticks that stuff can add up oh yeah and when you're used to carrying that you're fine Mm mm-hmm but when you're not, it's like the end of the world. I remember my father-in-law, Greg. <clears throat> man, he he carries a pack. The, the guy runs marathons, mind you. He's, it's not that he's not in shape. He's just a different kind of in shape. You start putting weight in the situation, and it's a whole different world for him. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, he was wrecked when he packed in, uh, like in Colorado, and even just going on like little training hikes and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just such a difference, so that's huge. But I believe that you got to get out there and you got to look. I went out the other day, and this is a place that I've turkey hunted before, and we turkey hunted there this year. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean, we ran that place big time. Uh, you'd have thought we were on bikes when you looked at our <laughs> tracker stuff on on X, And, man it was grown up yeah and when i say grown up there were like these um purple flower weeds Mm -hmm. whatever native grasses we'll call them because that's what they are that were grown together so much that you had to step on top of them because if you tried to just power drag your feet through them you'd get shoestring tackled Oh really? Ever, ever, oh, oh yeah. You're and and let me say, you're not high stepping. You're like trying to get your leg over a fence stepping. Yes. It's it's very high. And um, the other thing that kind of <clears throat> this is kind of stupid, but it's in the back of my mind. You're stepping over all this stuff, and 
you know, your one foot's behind you, the other foot's in front of you, and it's kind of popped up there in your crotch, and all you hear is zzzz mm. everywhere. There's just bees, bumblebees, <laughs> everything with a stingers in these flowers. <laughs> and so you're just like, God, please protect my beanbag. <laughs> so he did. Good. Props to you, God. <laughs> um, so, but I, I go to this place and, and immediately, you know, this is the beginning of June. Mm-hmm. And it is grown the F up. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking... Man, what if I had not come here until the end of July or middle of August when, you know, the season's not super far away? And uh, that would be, I'll bet when people show up there to scout, which most people aren't scouting right now. No. Which is a no-no. I would bet that 40% at least get discouraged Within the first seven hundred and fifty yards, just with the grass height. Just, yeah. I mean, just, just that yeah. alone. We'll say and, first first thousand yards. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And and it depended upon what state you're in too, um, and like how your state deals with uh, public land areas. That stuff may not get cut till, I mean, late, late. And it depends on. Do you think they'll cut that? <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess they. I, they have I guess to. They, do. they have to at some point. Oh, um, that sucks. I mean, they'll cut some of it. So, like, if you go to the place that Josh and I went to, uh, and we scouted, and he's okay. got his cams up, they don't cut it. They, oh, they wow. don't cut it. Okay. And so, like, I've been in there during muzzleloader season, <clears throat> and I've, I take that back. They cut fields. They cut paths through the fields, but they leave a lot of... It looks like CRP land is, is exactly what it looks like. And you'll get into the woods, and the woods are pretty well-maintained because they log them out. But I've walked in there, and I've walked out into fields, and in muzzleloader season, so late December, and it's hitting me neck height, and I see deer heads going the other way because there's like that's the only way through. And those deer are going to hide there. And if you're ground hunting, you know, you, you want to know what it's going to look like if you're, uh, you know, tree stand hunting or packing in or, you know, whatever you're planning on using it, it, you have to know your situation. So it's better to go now and have some idea of like, okay, if this is going to be the height of the grass or this is going to be the height of the bushes or whatever I'm going to have around me, I need to be able to plan and prepare for that. Uh, so even if it does, you can say, well, Let's say it is cut down. I know where I can go put my stuff at now if they're, they do a cutting or if they do bale hay or, or they do whatever there. Yeah. It was so eye-opening to me. And I'm really glad that it did grow up because I know that if it stays that way to through deer season, which I don't know. Do you think they'll cut that before deer season? I think they'll cut part of it. I I think I think they'll cut part of it, um, just for the just for the fact of the management plans uh, that I've looked at for certain areas. Okay. In that state, I think that they'll they'll end up cutting parts of it. But what I think that they do 
and I think the reason why it's so high now is that they will let it go until... Basically, once the fawn drop is done and the turkeys are exactly out once the turkeys are hatched smart. out, I think that that's when they're like, okay, uh, fawns are in the woods, turkeys are probably in the woods, yeah, hens aren't sitting on nests. We're not going to disturb that. Let's go ahead and go in and there and cut that. Okay, so I may kill myself, but <laughs> it's still very humbling going there. Coming off of turkey season, putting in all those miles, yeah. thinking you're in decent walking yep. shape, and then you go out there and it's 15, 20 degrees hotter mm-hmm. than it was in turkey season, and some idiot didn't take a <laughs> single drop of water. That's a no-no. Him. That's a pretty big no-no when you know you're going to do some pretty good miles. And uh, so, yeah... <laughs> Pretty stupid move. The other thing I need to take is a towel yeah. to wipe my face. As you looks can better see. today. Looks way better, but oh, <laughs> uh, I got a pretty bad rash. Makes me look like a freaking coon. Um, like I got a little mask or something under my eyes from wiping my face with my shirt because I was sweating so mm-hmm. much. So, but I go to this place. I'm walking. I'm high stepping. I'm ripping my feet through grass and. Uh, fighting bugs and all that, and I'm scouting. And for a little while, I was pretty miserable, mm-hmm. if I'm being real. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, is a deer really worth this, all this? And and then I'm going to come back, and this is what it's going to be like when I hunt here. Mm-hmm. You know? So... I just keep pressing on. That's been my new motto uh, since going out west last year. <clears throat> that really tends to help drive success rates up. Is just complain, do what you got to do, and then just keep, you know, like a running back mentality. Keep pounding. Just keep moving your feet. Keep mm-hmm. your feet driving. So I just kept walking and looking at the places that I had thought of and... um I happened on a few that I didn't expect to find, mm-hmm. really. And it's so funny because you think, you know, oh, I scouted. I looked on Onyx at Topos. I know where every deer is and blah, blah, blah. And then you get out there and you just think, wow. it's That's the difference between guys who put their boots on the ground mm-hmm. and guys who look on the computer. Yeah. You're going to get a big surprise if you don't get out there and scout. Well, it's important to look at that, too, because in certain areas, you're going to look at a topo or you're going to look at a, you know, a sky view map or a satellite image. And depending upon when that map or uh, picture was taken, how much foliage is on trees, it can cover water sources. Yeah. It can cover up. Uh, what might be good bedding areas. It can cover up. It might not show thickets that are there during early season versus late season. Uh, there's there's a lot of different things that you really have to consider when you start scouting this time of year versus, you know, even in a month and a half. Like, you know, in a month and a half, it's going to be, you know, almost August, and it's going to be miserable. I mean, miserable hot. Oh, yeah. 
um, you know, September, early September, you know, hunting in Kentucky in general is not, you know, an enjoyable hunt. I mean, it's an enjoyable hunt, but like yeah. from a temperature standpoint and like just a, a humidity standpoint, it's it's not one of those ones that you want to just think like, man, I'm going to go, you know, sit in my stand and it's going to be great. You'd be pouring sweat. You're it's gonna, pretty rough. Like you, you, you have to make sure you're playing the wind right because you're gonna stink. Like there, there's no, there is no way around it. I don't care what anybody tells me. You tell me that you do scent control in in an early season hunt. I, w- I want you to show me, and then I'm gonna tell you that you're wrong because every deer in the Tri County area is gonna smell you if they get wind of you. Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's different. And one of the things it surprises me still how many people don't know this. Get a thermocell. Yes. And and make sure you buy the big pack of extra butane cartridges. Yep. And the little wafers or whatever yep. that, that come with it that release the uh, chemicals, odor, whatever you want to call it, that keep the mosquitoes away. And the other tip is you have to play the wind with it. I mean, I'm not talking about the deer because <clears throat> you should already be doing that. I'm talking like... If the wind is blowing from the north to the south, you want to stick that in front of you on the north side of you so that way it is blowing it over you. Otherwise, you're just creating a mosquito-free area somewhere else around you mm-hmm. and not on immediately you. yeah, on you. So, But with that said... Well, another thing that you should probably look at because it's still going to be warm if you're hunting early season is a big bottle uh, of permethrin. Yeah. All the permethrin. Yeah. All Sawyers, it. get it at Walmart. It's, yep. Treat your clothes with it. Treat. <clears throat> so you treat everything that basically doesn't touch your skin. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to treat your undies or your socks, but you can treat the outside of your shirt, jacket, mm-hmm. uh, the outer part of your hat. I always treat both sides of my bill Mm -hmm. and then treat your boots and the other thing a little trick for some of you that are in hill country and kentucky ohio indiana pennsylvania wherever to battle those seed ticks get you some camo duct tape and put it around the cuffs of your pants the waistline of your pants and then maybe even the cuffs of your shirt and then take strips on each part and turn them to the adhesive side facing out and make a couple layers going up each spot with that and it'll be a little little tick trap for them. Exactly. Let them suffer slowly. <laughs> but um so I go out and scout the other day super overwhelmed at first just keep walking and all of a sudden I start finding these beds and these trails and all of this historical sign And it blew my mind because I knew there were some ponds and creeks and puddles and stuff like that on this WMA. But you just never really think that things can be so basic. And so I'm talking to Pierce and Luke and some other guys and I said to them, I I think I'm going to try to focus on water in the early season. I feel like I've not done that much and most people don't. I feel like it's very undervalued. And if you notice, what are we all as deer hunters praying to God for, especially opening weekend? 
We want that magical opening weekend cold front where it's going to be unseasonably cool and it's just going to be a magical weekend and you're going to kill every deer in the state. What ends up happening (laughs) is it is hot as balls (laughs) and you're miserable and you are like basically pissed off at the world. So my thought is fight fire with fire and let's pray that it's hotter than hell on opening weekend because then all you got to do is sit on the water, right? They got to drink. Yes, they do. So I don't think that water plays a role here like it would in, we'll say, Nebraska, Wyoming, Colorado, somewhere where it's very dry. Here, they have a lot of good green browse, mm-hmm. not to mention beans and corn and yeah, mast trees out the wazoo by then and all that. So, but they still have to drink. They they need a drink. They need water to to keep their cooling systems regulated within their bodies. So, I have this thought, and I go to this place, and I kicked up. Or walked up on, we'll say walked up on. I kicked mm-hmm. up a couple deer, but uh, I walked up on two fawns, two does, and two bucks. One buck was very nice. Mm-hmm. The other buck had better not walk in front of me opening weekend, but the one, he's an Ohio shooter. Oh, wow. Hands down. Good so, deal. You're in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan. You're shooting that deer. Okay. <laughs> He's what I call bald out. He's got <clears throat> thick beams starting to make a turn out to or past. I feel like he was a little past his ears. That's pretty early for and, that. Right. <laughs> and and he's got big balls mm-hmm. of you know blood basically yeah. pushing those beams out on the end. It's what we call balling out. So... Every deer but one was bedded within, so so I'll just go by deer. So the first pond I walked up on, there was a doe 10 yards from me, and she may have been about four steps, mm-hmm. four good steps, maybe five from the pond. And then I kicked up a fawn next, and that was literally just like you'd kick up a rabbit. Mm-hmm. almost under your feet yeah probably two steps away from me and that little thing was bedded six steps from the pond so then i go and put a camera up and as i'm looking at this pond i see the little fawn tracks that are smaller than a damn quarter mm-hmm. and i saw a couple other spots that looked <clears throat> old but there really wasn't a lot of sign there wasn't the tracks all in the mud. There wasn't the weeds pushed down mm-hmm. in a certain area mm-hmm. where there's a trail. And it really discouraged me, but I thought, well, there's a baby here, so that means there's got to be a doe here. Right. And she left baby here for a reason. So, and there were beds not far mm-hmm. from there. So I thought, this is the only water within a pretty good distance. I'll just, I'll stick a camera up. Yeah. Dude, I walked, I think I might have got 40 or 50 yards from that pond. Mm-hmm. And that's where I jumped that buck up out of his bed. Nice. And 
the whole time I'm just wishing why you know wondering like why can't I just have a camera rolling a hundred percent of the time I couldn't get my phone out in time and mm-hmm. get it going so I'm on my way to the next pond and I look up and I'm trudging through these weeds making just the stupidest amount of noise mm-hmm. and I look up and I'm like oh god Mm-mm. there's a buck Right in front of me at probably one twenty-five. Oh, really? In the wide open. Oh, yeah. There, I'm not behind anything. I'm in the wide open and just so staring at you. No, didn't even know I was there. Oh, He's feeding. Had no idea. If I'm if I'm shooting a really nice crossbow or a gun, he's dead. Um, please don't hate me for those that don't want me to take long <laughs> shots with a crossbow. That's a joke. Um. So I s- sat there and filmed him for a little bit, and you know he kept looking my way, and then put his head down and eat. And finally, I just said, "It's a long ways till hunting season. I'm gonna walk over there and see what I see." Mm-hmm. Sure enough, I walk over, and literally, probably two steps or less from the pond, the edge of the water, is his bed, right on the top of I guess you'd call it like the. The dike or whatever, yeah, the rim, the, the berm, um, and it's every buck bed I found mm-hmm. was big, tucked up against something. It was amazing, and there were beds that I found that were much larger, where it looked like somebody had put round bales on their end and just left really? them. Yeah, like it was that big and matted down. Huh. I'm praying to God somebody's cattle didn't get loose. <laughs> But they don't run cattle on the WMAs they, they per don't. Rick Cates, per game warden. They don't. I, I confirmed that with a game warden. So, but, and then as I'm looking at that buck's bed and putting a camera up, I hear, ah, ah. I hear little, little one calling for mama just on the other side of this 20-yard wide pond. Mm-hmm. And so then I walked up on another doe in the wide open again. She had no idea, and she was facing me. I don't know if I had, like, some hex stuff going on or what, but they just couldn't see me that day. So she was probably 200, 250 yards from a pond. So she okay. was a decent amount, but that's not it's that not, It's far. not terribly far. She basically had left her bed to go feed and probably take her baby somewhere else because that's I think that's what the does are doing. Right, you know, they're not going to keep a fawn bedded in the same spot. No, no, no. Um, so I, I, I was very, very uh, overcome, though, because I put this plan together, and man, it was v- so basic and so simplistic, yet genius. Mm-hmm. And I was right. I, I felt so cool for that. And it's not genius. It's just... No duh, moron. You know, they got a drink and it's hot now. Well, it's, I think people make it too hard on themselves, too. Is like you watch YouTube videos, or you watch primos, or you watch, you know, whatever hunting show, and <clears throat> they think, you know, you can just walk in somewhere and shoot a deer, or they make it too hard on themselves because they're thinking, like, oh, I got to do this, or I got to do that. It's like, go back, go back to basics. Like, wh- what do all things right. need? Water and food. You find the water, you find the food. You're probably going to find the deer. You know, I agree. Every every um, 
we talked about this with Pierce. If you can find green beans, not green beans, like the kind you get, soy like jolly beans. green soybeans, green yeah. soybeans, in a field in Ohio. Some of you might call them soybeans. Soybeans. <laughs> um, you know, you're you're you found where those deer are going to be. Or you yeah. find you find the the first white oak in the in the forest. It's dropping acorns. Oh. Probably going to be you know deer all over it. When you hunt early, you want to look for those things. Deer don't want to be out in the middle of the sun. They what, want to be what somewhere. What else are you going to look for? Keep talking food. Uh, don't stop. Persimmons. Don't want- stop, Rick. <laughs> Keep going. You want to look for persimmons. You okay. want to look for uh, any type of, um, I mean, some animals get on crab apples if, if they're mm-hmm. around. So uh, apples, some places have small grape arbors. Berries uh, that they that you might be able to find sweeter stuff. Pawpaws are a huge one. Appalachian, uh, but, uh, I think they call them a hillbilly banana. Hillbilly maybe. bananas, and they look pretty good. They, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's one of those ones. If you, if you have a if you have a pawpaw patch, you know I'd be setting up like right yeah. there. Well, read the sign. Yeah. Make sure, but you'll know. Yeah. You'll know immediately if that tree is dropping fruit, which a couple. I'm going to let you finish first, though, because mm-hmm. I don't want to steal your thunder. you got a lot of knowledge to drop, so keep <laughs> dropping. I mean, the, those those are the big ones. The one thing I will say is, uh, this is something that I've read, this is something I've listened to, this is something I've been told, and it could be an old wives' tale. Do not hunt red oaks early in the season. Wait for those until later in the season. Scout, scout in the early season, find where they're at, but red oaks, the tannins in them when they yeah. drop are so bitter and nasty, deer won't eat them. But right around December, late November, the tannins have started to leach out of it because they've been on the ground or the, the water. Yeah, yeah, frost is frost has gotten it out of there, and those deer are more apt to move from white oaks because most of the time they're gonna been they've been eaten up already, and they're gonna start moving over to red oaks at that point. So that's a that's a big kind of transition thing, especially if you have. A lot of forest land. It's full of oaks. You want to look for those transition places. If you can't, if you're not finding sign around white oaks and that kind of stuff. You know what I think the most underrated, overlooked food is. What? Those little bean deals or whatever that grow on honey locusts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I think. I think that's what a lot of deer eat. In. Uh, parts of southern Ohio and mm-hmm. into like the northern Kentucky areas where you just I mean everywhere you look there's honey locusts all over walnuts mm-hmm. that that's the type of trees you have um I'm going to key in on a lot of those and but I mean early season I'm hitting water I'm yeah. not I'll I'll try to do as good as I can with the food deal don't get me wrong but we're gonna we're gonna hunt some water big time and and some bedding i mean i found a lot of good intel and i want everybody listening to know while i'm not a professional and i couldn't tell you yes for sure this is a buck this is an antler deer using this bed i think i have a pretty good idea um with that said every deer bed that I found that I thought was a buck bed 
was almost to the end of a knob. Mm-hmm. Which which is which is prototypical of a deer, of, of a buck. Like they they want to be able to see around them. They want to be able to see down below them. They want to be able to smell behind them. Uh, you'll often find buck beds right up against a tree or in a thicket, so they can look out one way and their backsides protected. You know, th- those are good signs when you're scouting early season to start looking for. And that buck that I walked up on, in fact, both of them were bedded with their back. Let's see. Their back was too... Hmm. I'd actually better not comment on that because I need to check my direction before I before I go with a hard uh, constant on that. But yeah. they were bedded strategically with cover to their backs, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they could look out and see. And a lot of times, too, it's pretty amazing. You would think that they would be up high, but they're actually in these little spots where as soon as you pop up over a little rise, as soon as you crest a little knoll, boom. They're on you. Mm -hmm. They've already seen you before you even had a clue they're there, and they're you're busted. So, but it was very interesting to do that the other day and sweat my buns off. And (laughs) I think I did five and a quarter miles, which were five and a quarter miles is pretty good trek anyway. Those miles were about about three of those miles were pretty tough. Maybe three and a half Mm -hmm. were just grueling yeah i at one point i think i'd been there two and a half hours and put one camera out like i'd made it to one spot i mean it took forever (laughs) (laughs) so i i also think that all this scouting we're talking about it puts you into position to be prepared and I think it builds confidence and that helps you be successful too because mm-hmm. when you go deer hunting you're not hoping that you see deer. You're pretty confident that you're going to see a deer. Right. And and you go from hunting unknowledgeably and sort of hoping and timid, wishing scare the the kind of the yeah, the wishing one in the other type deal yeah to you walk in there like a damn cat Mm -hmm. ready to kill something and you know you're going to kill something and that that feeling that all that stuff snowballs and and when you draw your bow and you you take your shot i I think that has something to do with how well you do in that aspect as well it's all that confidence building well yeah you're doing stuff with intention like when you're going out and you're scouting, yeah, purpose, exactly. you're doing it with purpose because you know what what's going to be there. You know what the sign is, and this is this is again a very important part of just scouting in general. Is the reason you go out and you do this is to to understand an area, and you know you can put your cameras up and that kind of stuff and get an idea. Uh, but if you're doing stuff with intention, it's going to make you better with your bow or your gun because it's not like oh I hope this arrow hits that animal or I hope this bullet is no I'm I know it's going to do that because I've done all the things I need to to get to that. Exactly. So, 
I mean, one one other thing I would I would kind of point to for early summer scouting is make sure that when you're going in, kind of have a plan. If you're putting up cameras, uh, have a plan on how often you're planning on going back and checking them. Uh, it, it's it's important just to kind of have that as a game plan moving forward. And I think we talked about that. A lot with Pierce uh, a couple weeks ago is you want to make sure that you have that in place so you're not, you know, going in there every week. Uh, you know, if you're on public land, it's a little bit different than private. Uh, if you if you're feeding deer on private, it's it's going to be um, different as well. Where you're you're trying to condition deer if if that if that's your plan. So make sure that you have a good idea kind of set out for yourself moving forward. Uh, when you go into your scouting season. Amen to that. So the other thing that I'll point out is playing the wind's pretty important. When you, when you go into an area, you kick up deer, you look for beds, put up cams, all that. Don't get me wrong. They know you've been there. They know you're there. You're not going to hide that ever. Ever. So... Don't get too caught up in that. But let's say one of my favorite things to do in the summer is to drive around with my family or a buddy and look in the bean fields at the bachelor groups of bucks and mommies and babies and all that. Pay attention. Pay attention to where the deer are, where the cover is, which way they travel, and which way the wind is blowing. Mm -hmm. And get out and check the wind, especially if you're a few hundred yards away where you're not going to F everything up. Take some milkweed with you. Get out and check the wind and make darn sure you know what direction it is. More often than not, you'd be amazed when you're scouting those bean fields. It's so crazy they'll come out with the wind to their back Mm -hmm. because they can see everything in the bean field. So that almost makes me want to make a bean field ghillie suit (laughs) and go sit in the beans (laughs) and wait for him to put his head down and raise up full draw, you know. But uh, that's the one of the few times where I think I've watched them. They still have the, the wind in their favor for the most part. Right. Because what's... There's nothing sneaking up on you in five foot tall, you know, whatever that it ends up being four foot tall beans, depending on the brand or whatever the right. uh, breed, I guess you'd call it. Um, but more often than not, you'll be able, you'll get to a point where you'll be able to say, mm, I'm probably not going to see deer mm-hmm. in this field tonight because the woods. You know, the wind would have to come out of X, and generally you're going to have a south-southerly wind uh, in the summer, and it's not going to be blowing right for the bucks, and they're right. just not going to come out that way. They're going to come out, they're going to be in a different field or come out on a different side of the woods or something. So, just something to keep in mind. Yeah. What else you got, Pickles? I mean, that's, I think we covered it all. Like, if you're going, if you're going to put cams out, uh, especially on public land, 
put cheap ones out. Don't put nice ones out. Tesco's Ta- Wildview. <laughs> Tesco's and Wildview. <clears throat> I mean, they're don't 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 go put put your brand new reveal out uh, on, on a public area. That that sucker may get five finger discounted off the side of a tree. Yeah, I've got my reveal on public land right now. Uh, Come get it, because uh, you know what? I can be to the public land. Before they can get back to the parking lot. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And not to mention, they're going to have to, they'll put some effort into getting that one. Yeah. For sure. And not just getting the camera out of the tree. Mm -hmm. Have fun getting there. (laughs) You'll be like, you know what? (laughs) I ain't dragging a deer out of this place. You're crazy. I mean that that that's that's one of the things that I can think of. But you know, for, as far as scouting goes, I think we I think we kind of covered it. Betting, food sources, water. Uh, make sure that you're looking in places that you think you might want to be hunting, and you know, start talking to your landowners if if you don't have places to go, or if you want to try to get away from the masses that are out on uh wild spaces out in public. I agree. The last thing I'll say is. Don't want and wish a deer to be in a certain spot. Yeah. Go find where they are. Me and my buddy Matt have a saying, Matt Amron, hunt where the elk are. Everybody kept telling us that when we go out west elk hunting. Well, you got to hunt where the elk are. Listen here, you little (laughs) idiot. I know that. (laughs) Why do you keep saying that? It's the truth. Hunt where the deer are. You can have a spot that looks gorgeous. It's like fishing. Mm-hmm. You roll up on that gorgeous stump in a perfect depth, and you get zilch off of it, and then you toss 20 yards away into the slacky crap water, mm-hmm. and big old Mr. Kanish comes flying <laughs> out of there. So hunt where the deer are. Find what they're doing. Right. Study what they're doing. That's the whole purpose of scouting. Figure out what they're doing. Put a game plan together and then execute that game plan and have a plan B, plan C, plan D. Especially if you're on public land, there's going to be pressure and things are going to go wrong for you more than likely. You're not going to be the guy. Get it out of your head that you're going to be the guy with the 190 on opening morning. Right. Go out there with a plan and then have some backups. I will also say this, and then I think we'll probably get to concluders. Don't, I'm not going to say don't. You don't have to worry about the boundary if you're not hunting on the boundary. Um, If you are on a fence line and all the deer are on the other side of the fence line on the property that you don't have the permission to hunt on, and they're standing over there, and you're thinking, oh, I just got to wait for him to come over. Uh, don't, you know, don't put yourself in that position if if, if you think that, uh, you know, you're, you're worried they're not going to come over. You know, may, find the areas on the place that you're going to uh, be hunting. Again, hunt where the deer are, but hunt where you know that they are because there's things on that property that are good for those deer. I agree to an extent. I so I do have some farms where the only place you have is literally a fence row to sit in. Oh, I do as well. And it is super discouraging. 
because it always seems like the turkeys or the deer or whatever you want are on the other side of the fence. But I'm conflicted on the fence sitting thing because mm-hmm. I totally get the respect aspect. I get that if I have 50 acres and you have 200 and you've put out plots all summer and spent five grand on trees and plots and all the other stuff that all the certain, turnips in the world certain certain people use to scare deer away mm-hmm. um, and run them off of where they already were. <laughs> uh, that's a little jab. Uh, but I, I do get it, though, where you would be upset if I'm sitting on the property line mm-hmm. kind of reaping those benefits. But at the same rate, I am on the property that I have permission to be on. Correct. But again, if I shoot a deer and it runs back onto your property... Then I'm messing with your hunt. So it really, you know, it comes down to perspective, and I don't think that anybody is wrong or right. That's literally a matter of perspective. For me, Mm -hmm. I I could see where if I'm hunting a 180-inch deer and I don't want pressure on my property, and a guy goes over and shoots a yearling buck and has to come on my property, am I going to let him get it? Of course. I think only an asshole wouldn't let somebody get their deer because that's all of our responsibility, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But I am going to be pretty disappointed slash probably pissed off because you did put all that work in and you've got possible deer of a lifetime or just a really good deer that you've worked right. hard to right. to set up a game plan on in a different way. It's not public land. I'm not going to discount the guys on private who have mineral sites and plots and freaking pre-hung sets and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. But I think that's also where what I talked about the other day um, you know, setting boundaries and, and communicating with your neighbors and mm-hmm. just saying, hey, you know, are you cool with me getting a deer off your property or, you know, sitting here or whatever? I mean, I'm not going to ask you permission to sit, but I am going to, you know, give you an idea of my game plan and make sure that we're on the same page and try to come to an understanding yep. and, and, and mutual respect. <clears throat> Uh, kind of like when you're in the parking lot and people show up on public land and you say, hey, I'm headed here. Where are you headed so we don't ruin each other's hunt? And yeah. I know you're probably here to get away from people, not go hang out with them in a tree. Right. So just one of those things. So. Yeah. And respect your uh, your property owner's stuff. Don't uh, run up their pastures or yards and keep their gates shut. Important, Pick important up things. Litter Pick if up your you litter. Didn't throw it down. It doesn't matter. It can look like you threw it down, and it takes one time for one old man to be pissed off at the world because his done. tractor didn't work that day, <laughs> and then he's Chris Leoparding all over the place, freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> and before you know it, he finds a pop can and a sandwich wrapper or something that some other idiot threw down mm-hmm. half a mile away. You just lost your farm. Yep. Because you didn't pick it up. So So be wise about that. Oh, yeah. So uh, final thoughts, concluders? Uh, My concluder is get in shape. Go out. And this is so different for every person. If you look at like Rick, Luke, uh, Aaron Satterfield, those guys lift weights and hit the gym and look like little yoke college boys still (laughs) and then there's people like me that i i would say 
I would be a little disappointed if I didn't at least surprise half the people that I hunt with, mm-hmm. with how far I walk and stuff, how far I can go. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people that we're hunting with that are a freaking decade younger than we are. Yes. And I used to make fun of people. <laughs> I hated. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm 39. I'm 35. You're 24. <laughs> Shut up, you little baby. That's a thing. <laughs> That's a thing. Things hurt out of nowhere now. Where, you know, I was putting up a camera the other day on some public, and I'm literally walking, and my ankle feels like I tweak it. And I'm uh, not, I didn't roll it. Yeah. Nothing. Just starts hurting, and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, what the hell? But I'm also pretty overweight. I, I'm like five, I'm five nine roughly, uh, maybe just under. Like 220, 221 pounds. So I'm definitely, you know, I could stand to lose some pounds. And uh, I I think that's a contributing factor. I think age is. But the other two things that I think that I'll add to the concluder (laughs) are I don't think people hydrate well enough. Right. And I also think that you think you're just walking out there even though you have a pack on. And you're hitting hills, side hilling, going uphill, going downhill, walking across creeks. You're changing, uh, I guess you like traction, friction levels, all that. And so you're really adapting as you go and using your different muscles and stabilizer muscles and everything. And I don't think people, I know I don't, people don't stretch. No. And I think if I did those two things better, I could probably gain 10 pounds. Yeah. And be just fine. But anyway, not to go down to like a super deep rabbit hole there, (laughs) but get in shape. Uh, If you want to go out and lift weights and stuff, that'll definitely help you. You don't have to bench 300 pounds to deer hunt. Nope. But if you put up 135, you know, 12 times, 15 times Mm -hmm. and do three, four, five sets of that, that's going to be awesome. And then you can move up five pounds every couple weeks or yep. something and then figure out where to stop, what your limit is. And same with curls and military press and all shoulders, that. Shoulders, make sure your shoulders are in shape for drawing a bow. Absolutely. Shoulders your are back. back. And and the other thing, again, like <clears throat> water in deer hunting, the core is the most overlooked mm-hmm. part of every single sport and fitness and people just skip it. Probably more than leg day. Yep. So <laughs> get in shape, go out, do some calisthenics, uh, push-ups, sit-ups, or crunches, whatever works for you and your age and fitness level. But but the one thing that you could do that is kind of the easiest thing, even though you don't want it to be easy. If it's easy, you're not doing it right. It's not supposed to hurt you and put you in bed for weeks. Right. But you should feel a little sore the next day, probably, right. or... Or at least get your heart rate up. Put a pack on with 10 or 20 pounds in it and go for a brisk walk. Mm-hmm. And try to change elevation levels. And uh, if you can hit a state park where you can go on a horse trail or something. Uh, hmm, let me take that back. <laughs> on a walking trail or a bike path. Horse trails will actually wreck your ankles. They can. Yes, they yeah, can. They're, they're terrible. <laughs> I wrecked my ankle on a horse trail. So... That is my concluder. Work even just a little bit to get better than you were yesterday Mm -hmm. at being a little more in shape. 
And, and that'll show up when you're climbing trees and walking in with a pack. And, and then, you know, the, the moment that we all live for, for whatever reason, I don't know why it's fun, but packing out a deer. Yeah. So how about you? Uh, same as always. First one is, <laughs> Damn, uh, I called it. <laughs> uh, if you have the ability to take somebody fishing or hunting this year, uh, it's getting that time. This is a good time to get them out in the, in the field to teach them stuff too. Yes. Like this, is, this is a great time to get them out in the field and teach them what scouting looks like and to help them understand different things that go on. Um, I guess one of the things that I do want to touch on is something that we kind of discussed earlier today uh is a lot of people are worried about a lot of stuff right now and um that's i'm being scolded right now on our podcast <laughs> no you're not Reprimand. um and that's okay it's okay to be worried about stuff it's okay to be nervous about stuff um a lot of times what i will tell people to do is uh your season is coming up it's good to take solace in the outdoors Get off your phones, get off your computers, uh, get I off agree. get off social media every once in a while. Um, go click on pictures of puppies. You know, switch switch your news feed up, people. <laughs> um, but you know, realistically, I know a lot of people are worried about a lot of different things right now. Um, always remember, uh, the ten percent that you see is not the seventy. The ten percent on either side is not the eighty percent in the middle. And, you know, while everyone's kind of got their differences about different things, just be mindful of how you're treating people and how you're interacting with other people and uh, things will go okay. But you sound like Jesus. (laughs) Far less holier. Um, But other than that, this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert, and we thank you all for of watching us. Jeez, oh, Pete, I butchered that. Uh, listening to us uh, in your car, on your stereo, or wherever you uh, have your podcast available to you. We thank you for spending this hour with us. Appreciate you guys. All right, bye. Bye. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time.